Hello, welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, hosted by me, Jack Perks. Professionally, I'm a wildlife cameraman, but I dabble in podcasting, and each Tuesday we release an episode as I have a chat with scientists, artists, filmmakers, and passionate people all about nature in a light-hearted and certainly not serious way. Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Burks. Now today I have got Nick Mishamon, who is the CEO of Wild Fish. They are a brilliant independent charity fighting for rivers, fresh water, and of course, our fish. Because they're independent, it means that they can criticise big industries like salmon farming, off-what, water companies, environment agency, whoever is maybe not doing their job right, they can just give them a little poke and a nudge in the right direction. And it means that because they're not funded by any of them, they can give them full tilt. So I'm fully behind them. I think they're an incredible organisation. And if you're not already supporting them, you should definitely consider doing so. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll know like Wild Fish, this podcast is independent. And the only way that we get money is through buymeacoffee.com. This means that I don't have to be adherent to advertisers and I can say and do whatever the fuck I want, essentially. Like, for example, saying fuck. So if you want to support the podcast via buymeacoffee.com, it is on the description. And what you can do is donate however much you want. And we're trying to get it to a total of £1,000. Once we've got £1,000, I'm then going to use that to go out and do more exciting podcasts further afield. You can leave a message when you donate, and I will read that message out. This week, I've got a message from Gareth. He's put, Happy Christmas, dude. I think this uh, will be released after Christmas. We've got, Happy Christmas, dude. I think you're bordering on being a national treasure. What with the beard, the swearing, the knowledge, the sense of humour, and the fondness of beer. What's not to love? Well, I mean, I think so, Gareth, but I'm probably a little bit biased, aren't I? So, um, yeah, if you want to put a message, I'll read it out. And uh, there you go. So if you can donate something, and if you want me to read something, I'll read it out. Anyway, back to today's episode. So I'm talking with Nick about weirs, which are one of my pet peeves. Everyone's banging on about sewage. And yes, it's a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem. But there are lots of other problems in rivers that are being kind of swept to the side, if you like. And weirs are one of them. And me and Nick are going to get into it about that. And we're also talking about the recent um, classification of salmon in the UK as endangered, which is getting very worrying because there's a very real risk that we're going to lose Atlantic salmon in the UK. Here's our chat. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me on, Jack. No, not a problem at all. It's a subject that is uh, very deep in my heart for, for the wrong reasons, really. But before we get into it, do you want to just say who you are and who Wild Fish is for people who who don't know? Okay. I'm Nick Meesham and I'm the CEO of, of um, Wild Fish. And Wild Fish is a... Uh, NGO, a charity, which campaigns, no surprise, for wild fish and their habitats. We used to be called Salmon and Trout Conservation. We changed our name in order to try and broaden our appeal, not to get away from from salmon and trout and uh, and, uh, and, and, and and grayling, but but actually to reach, we hope, a much wider audience and help try and make 
fish conservation a more fashionable topic and subject than it sadly is at, at this current this current time. I mean, in our base, our basic kind of ethos. If you wanted to sum me up in a in a sentence, is that um, basically we we are working to deliver rivers that are fit fit for salmon. For if they're fit for salmon, they're fit for anything else that swims, basically. And that will cover some of the issues that I know, Jack, you want to uh, you want to discuss in this in in this program. Yeah, no, I think that that's a fair point. And and if anyone um, isn't a member of Wild, I'll I'll do the membership plug for you, so you don't have to, Nick. But if anyone isn't a that's member, fine. they should definitely consider it because they are a fantastic organisation, and you are um, independent, which I always think is fantastic because it means you can have a bit more bite in your bar. Well, we, yeah. Well, we're conf configured to, to be exactly that. I mean, I'm fairly agnostic on where funding would come from, but it, clearly we won't take any funding that compromises the work that we do. So to that end, um, because you know we're fighting for fish and we're fighting against pollution, we're fighting to get regulators to do their job, to protect fish, the Environment Agency and Ofwat, um, that basically knocks out those sources as, as likely sources of funding. Thankfully, we're getting a big following now in the kind of the, the broader environmental funders um, arena. But we also are very happy to take, to, you know, to take funding, however modest, from 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 supporters. And one of the one of the most important things, really, is we crave, you know, your listeners' support as much as we crave um, that, or more than we crave their finances, really, because numbers really matter in in terms of having an impact and fish are just unfortunately a neglected area of um of our sadly rapidly depleting environment i forget the exact figure you quoted but wasn't it something like the the rspb have a million members and most fish organizations have a fraction of that don't they i can't remember the basically exact yeah well the, the, the number i quoted is that our income this year will be about eight hundred thousand all and more of which is spent on fishy causes. Um, and the, the CEO doesn't, for some peculiar reason, doesn't have a, a, a company jet or a fully loaded Land Rover. <laughs> joking apart. But no, the, we get 800,000. The RSPB, if you go onto the Charities Commission website, they list all of these things. Their annual income is about 160 million, so they're sort of 200 Jesus. times our size. Yeah. And actually, I know the the avian populations of the UK are stressed, but they're nowhere near as stressed as many of the fish populations. So there's this, this extraordinary mismatch. And you know, I I guess I'm one of the you know one of those people who's never been able to resist a sort of uh, a, a challenge or a sort of um, difficult difficult cause and the cause of fish is certainly is certainly that yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more it is a challenge and one of the challenges is what we're going to be talking about today is is barriers to to migration because um and we've spoke about this many times before but um when you look at all the other things people talk about like like sewage pollution which is a problem not not negating that yeah. uh, it's quite a sexy problem if you like like people can get get behind that and get angry about it but when you when you try and get people motivated about a barrier to migration you can start to see the eyes closing a little bit and i think it's a shame because it's a problem that is a major problem but it's also a relatively 
easy problem to fix. I say that in in simple terms, but to to start with, what 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 is a weir? What is a barrier to migration for people who who won't know what that means? Okay, well, I, I take the general different definition. I think actually, which or our definition will be a a, a fish or a river barrier is a, a structure, um, some are natural but mostly man-made, which prevents the movement of fish and other aquatic organisms um, up and downstream a up and downstream a river, basically. Um, and many of these barriers have uses from industrial and agricultural part of agricultural past. Some are you know, justified on the basis of flood defence, land reclamation, environmental management, and some 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 also have been put in for sort of aesthetic reasons. You know that it was decided to create in the past a, a water garden for a big house, so you decided yeah. to dam, dam dam the stream and things like that have gone on um, all over the place, but. Um, they they are what they they are and that, that is they are something that is interfering with the natural functioning of a of a river or a river system and the stats actually i i haven't looked it out i got some we're doing some work on this actually and i've cribbed it from uh one of our one of our team one of our team um apparently the number of barriers on european rivers is well over a million wow not, and and therefore, there are very few free-flowing rivers in the in the, in the whole European network. Um, and in the UK, um, we reckon there's something like 0.75 barriers per kilometre of river. So basically, round that up, there's basically every 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 certainly every kilometre, if not uh, every mile, there's a there's a barrier. Which is shocking, really, when you think which about is, it, isn't it? Which is, when you think about it, is absolutely shocking. Um, yeah. And as I say, these things are interfering with the natural functioning of rivers. And very much, our, our, you know, one of our views is that, you, you know, get rid of these things and let the river do its do its stuff will be beneficial for for fish and all other wildlife too, basically. Yeah, because I said, like you, like you said, there will be some barriers which I suppose are put in for flood defence, but there'll be lots that are essentially functionless now. That they're just there for their yeah. historic legacies, aren't they? And th there's no reason why, um, with the right funding and the right mindset, we we couldn't remove them. Well, that, that that's certainly what I what we believe what we believe to be the case. I mean, yeah. Um, and indeed, I mean, at some point in the in the not too distant past, I mean the the, if you like, the um, the legislation to progress barrier removal is it is you know it's one of those things that's been sitting on the many millions of um, different environmental sectors we've had since 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 I think the nineteen eighties when this stuff was initially agreed and it's never been signed off so there's never been any resources to to carry it forwards and the, the basically the reason for not doing it I think is that. Um, Governments have been lobbied by the green lobby, who pretend that run of river hydro schemes actually have some some useful contribution to make to our uh, to our national grid. I mean that is um, you know, 
in, in a word, 99% bollocks. These things were subsidised and therefore popular and have been, you know, various people have lobbied and governments have failed to, failed, failed to act. And I guess also within our own sort of conservation and fishing communities, there are lots of impediments to remove, ironically, to removing these barriers. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and we've talked about this before, haven't we? But like, so um, where where I live in Nottinghamshire on the Trent, it's very, very popular for barbel fishing. And a lot of these weirs are, you know, highly coveted for, for anglers to fish barbel because they all, they all kind of, I, I guess an angler would put it, they, they all congregate there, but they haven't got much fucking choice. So that's <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's weird, isn't it, that... Um, you know, we're we're fishing for these wild things, in, in, in but actually we like to have them penned in, so we can um, make 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 it absurdly easy for ourselves to catch catch these, uh, or make it easier than it would otherwise be to catch these. Yeah, catch these things. And I mean, it, you know, it's not just the, fish, the the barriers do do, and I'll come back to the migratory impact the impact impacts on migratory fish. But the other side of it is that. The, 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 the things they do to damage water quality and so on, because they hold up uh, the natural flow of a river, so they slow up the water, so sediment sinks out, and you end up with big buildups of sediment. And you see a lot of this on um, on those rivers which historically had a lot of water mills on them, mm. many most of which are now redundant. Well, they are redundant um, in almost every case. They're no longer operated as a as a water mill. And traditionally, what would happen is that the mill stream, the water levels would build up overnight, and then in the morning, the your horny-handed um, miller would get up, open the sluices, get crank up the the water wheel, and and get milling, and run down that head of water. That then flushes all of the uh, the, the the silt out. You close the sluices at night, build it up, and repeat the process. Of course, we now have the sluices closed because there's no re- in general and. People are sitting on a basically a silt trap, and that has all the uh, with all the adverse consequences that's having in that context. Let alone the pre- prevention of um, of migration of fish up and down rivers. And we're not just talking. I mean, clearly, salmon. The salmon's life cycle is they spawn in the headwaters of rivers and then hang around for a a while as par, and they go through a sort of transition, they become smolts um, and head off to sea to um, go and feed and grow before coming back and continuing the, uh, the, the the salmon circle of life. Well, clearly, the more barriers there are, the more difficult it is for those fish to actually do the job they want to do, which is get up and get up the river in the first place and get down it again. Yeah. Uh, it's But it's not only salmon. I mean, it's... it You would... I'm never cease to be amazed how much even I, you know, coarse fish like roach move move around up and down rivers. But denying denying these fish free movement is is creating um, is interfering with their natural their natural life cycle. All um, all fish are migratory fish, is how I like yeah. to put it. You know, whether it's a fish only travelling a mile. Or you know, a lot of course they did they did studies with bream and barbel and they tagged them and some of them yeah. were going twenty kilometers in yeah. river migrations to find the best spawning habitat and obviously if they come up against a barrier that either completely stops them or it means they have to expend more energy to get over 
which means the likelihood of them spawning after is is decreased. So they're not they're not producing as many offspring as they as they normally would. So yeah, I, I suppose when we think of barriers to migration straight away, uh, salmon comes to mind. But all fish are migratory to certain degrees, and if you haven't got that barrier there, um, it just means they can crack on. They can find the best spawning habitats, and you get more fish in the river. It's it's as simple as that, isn't it? Exactly. No, it really is as simple, as simple as that. And the um, the barriers also then cause pinch points where predators, um, cormorants, goosanders, um, otters, have um, basically have it off. I mean, the fish are you know backed up, and they become a you know a very easy target. Yeah, all, all all the foods in one place, isn't it? Yeah. So where so, they naturally be spread out a little bit more. If it's a yeah. weir, all the foods there, so they're going to get hit harder. And and, and... so, what do we all do as sort of um, fishermen or that you know, you know, simple-minded conservationists? We leap to the conclusion that 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 the problem is the predators, and actually the the underlying problem, predation is a much as, is a symptom of an underlying problem, which is these barriers. You know, and and I think that is is one of those things that um, kind of correcting certain things, which are seemingly obvious to the casual observer, like you know, it's clear that dealing with cormorants or goosanders is um, is is something that needs to be done. Well, in certain circumstances, it, it may be, but there's not much point sorting that out unless you've sorted out the underlying problems. And that's really, that's really what we're about as an organization is we believe in trying to deal with, we don't do river restoration, which has an important role and so on. We try and focus on the underlying causes and do what we can to kind of get those sorted out so that the other things that are being done are not being done almost pointlessly because it's, you know, you, you carry out river restoration, but you don't fix. If you don't fix water quantity and water quality, you haven't really solved the underlying problem. And it's always that 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 can jack that continual um continual battle that that, that we face. Yeah, no, um, I I think you're um I think you're right. Isn't there a case as well as um you mentioned about the silt above the the weirs kind of uh, collecting? Don't you get a buildup of chemicals sometimes as well? Um, you would get within those sediments. You will get, yeah, you will. You'll get a, a buildup of um, chemicals in the sediment, and which may then get released over a periods of time, and, and yeah. so on. So yeah, it is. It's a big, um, a big, a big, uh, big issue. But I mean, also actually, it can it? It's not just simply upstream of the dams. I mean, downstream can can have an impact as well. You know, you can. You're not allowing gravels to move around and things like this, things that yeah. rivers naturally do to redistribute um, you know, natural materials and, and so on. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing can be be uh, be, be highly problematic. Because I think one of the interesting things with the whole um, barrier to migration and whatnot is that it's, it is a complex issue. Um, but it's also, you know, if, if everything's done, it's something that can literally be solved overnight. Like we're not going to solve the sewage crisis overnight. We're not going to solve salmon farms overnight. But literally with a stick of dynamite in the middle of a weir, that can have a drastic effect on a river straight yes. away. So it is yeah. it is um, it's one of the few things that, you know, if, if we if we get on with it, it's quite a quick fix, which is rare in 
in conservation, really. It is. I mean, it's a, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a a quick and very clear fix in in, in many places, and I mean, I, you know, most of, I, I think an awful lot of those weirs, on you say on our rivers, are, are truly redundant. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I'm simplifying it massively there, but essentially, yeah. you know, if 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 everyone nods their head and agrees, then um, then it, it's a you know, it, it's a quick thing. I, I know that there's a there's a case, there's a video online actually of a weir not too far from me called Snake Lane Weir on the Ecclesbourne in yes. Derbyshire. And the weir was horrific. It was something like nine foot tall, almost vertical. So salmon would get to the lip of it. There weren't many salmon in there, but the odd one. And they, the Wild Trout Trust um, managed to pull the funding out and get rid of it. And now there's this lovely cascade of of babbling water and rocks. And the salmon have straight away been found a few miles upstream of it. So they've been able to navigate it. So that was in the first year. You know, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. It it does work. Yes, I mean... I mean, absolutely, and I mean, we have to do everything we can for these these wild fish populations because they are so so pressured, and 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 um, you know, salmon salmon in particular. So denying them access to to to, to valuable spawning habitat is is absolutely um, bonkers in our view. It is, and I suppose while we're while we're on the subject of salmon, we can also mention that uh, literally a couple of days ago, as of recording salmon have been reclassified haven't they so do you want to just kind of yes talk me through um, it yeah they have been and this is actually um partly the the, the iucn the international union of conservation networks who are the keeper of the the red list or the the, the most recognized version of it there are um they they've carried out a an assessment of atlantic salmon populations across their entire range around the, the North Atlantic. And this is the first time this this is this is the first reassessment of at that global population level for 25 years, I think it is. 24, yeah. 25 years. Um so it hadn't been done for a very long time. And but the salmon were sitting there as least endangered, even though we've been, you know, we've seen massive declines in their populations in many places but they didn't have that kind of red listing classification well they now do um, they've been reclassified and interestingly the the UK's population comes out worst is it has been classified as endangered well and truly red listed the um the 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 global population comes out as 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 as, as I think um, threatened or whatever one 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 step down from that. But nonetheless, all of this should highlight the fact, and much more widely, that, that there really is a problem with salmon, and it will help put pressure on politicians to start to deal with all of the issues surrounding them. One of which is barriers to migration. The others, the, the um, open net salmon farming water quality um, and so on but the great thing is that you know as an organization we have to be kind of practical there's lots of things we'd like to do but certainly beyond beyond our scope and certainly beyond the scope of an organization with an income of less than a million pounds a year um but two practical things you can do you can do something about the man can do we can do something about open net salmon farming and we can do something about about barriers i mean they are i'm not suggesting that you know it's going to be straightforward to get these things to happen nothing in in conservation is ever straightforward 
Um, but these are things, they're tangible, soluble, clearly, you know, issues that can be dealt with. And it's, it's um, you know, dealing with barriers is a matter essentially of a, a political will to make sure that, you know, unless they're absolutely necessary, they need to go, and where they are necessary, that we we take, we, we put in place, you know, mitigation, i.e. rock ramps, so that fish have a, or fish passes in general, that the fish can actually move about. Yeah, it's, I think that it's actually... It's sort not, of, it's, yeah, it's not impossible. No, and I think that's actually, we haven't mentioned, have we, about fish passes and whatnot, but where where it's not possible to remove the dam get fish passes in so essentially uh, the the, the weir sorry uh, essentially there's no reason why either we don't remove the weir or you put a fish pass in so that regardless fish have got free free movement yeah. that's that's what needs to be done so i think if i read between the lines what you're saying nick is if anyone's got any spare dynamite lying around go and yeah. blow up as many weirs as, as possible well wouldn't it be a wouldn't it be a wonderful <laughs> way of spending a sunday morning well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'll have to, I'll have to check my shed. I'm not sure if I've got any left, but if I mm -hmm. have, there's one or two wares on the trend that would definitely get um, a stick chucked yeah. in there because it is, and it is. Have you, have you actually done Jack? I'm turning things around. Have you done much filming of um, the impacts of these barriers of fish building up below them? And yeah, I've, I've filmed on a few. So like the the, the big weir on the on the trend is um, is Collingham, which is sort of the the area where I think there's a three year waiting list. For barbell anglers, that's how bonkers it is. But I, I managed to get some cameras right up against the weir a few mm. years ago. And there was a line of not only barbel but salmon just waiting to try and get up there. And mm. the thing, the other thing is that just because a weir is passable doesn't mean that that's good either. So fish can might be able to get over, but they're still expending energy when they wouldn't be. So all the weirs on the trend are passable I, I use the term passable with quoted fingers here um but yes. those salmon are still fighting to get up them there could be a lot of improvements and and, and, in, and in fairness i think there is a project called the trent gateway project where they're trying to emulate what they've done on the seven which is good but um yes. but yeah that you do i do notice when i put cameras in amongst weirs there is very often a a cube of fish if you like waiting to go up there and they they obviously want to i know one of the things people always say is in the summer weirs are good for for oxygen but i don't know if there's any science behind that i think that's just people seeing bubbles moving around and they assume it's good but by that logic yeah. you'd have no fish anywhere else in the river so i don't know the yeah. the science um, behind that i suppose they might be relatively good but on the by turning things around the the river above the weir becomes a a, a sort of becomes depleted for oxygen so yeah yeah, you win yeah. Some, you lose. i mean and i suspect and overall i, I would i would I would guess that um, the overall oxygenation is, is is neutral at best. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you. I think it's just one of those things people sort of tell themselves: all oh, the fish are all all against the weir because there's oxygen. I think, well, yeah, not and, comparative. And the other argument, you know, some fish like the slow flowing water above a weir. You know, they well, do they? They haven't got much choice, have they? <laughs> Unfortunately, they haven't got any. They've got. They've actually got no choice. So, yeah. I think we really need to be doing much more around, 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 um, around these barriers to to in rivers. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I think it is the forgotten issue in in river conservation. As I say, everyone is talking about sewage at the minute, which is good. I'm not. I'm not knocking that. I think it's brilliant. We do need to be talking about that. 
Um, but the barriers seem to be kind of pushed to the side a little bit. And I think it's another problem that um, we need to address and, and correct, hopefully. Yeah, it's one that we are we are we are we are endeavouring to work on, and I'm, I'm I'm sure that others others will join. Yeah, I would hope will join in. Yeah, um, I, no, I, I completely agree. And and sort of circling back around to when you, on about the salmon, it's kind of worrying and 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 shocking in a way that an, an, a fish that is arguably the most iconic fish. I mean, it, you talk to anyone who doesn't know anything about fish in the UK, they'll know what a salmon is, and to think that yes. you know conceivably we could lose salmon in the UK. I mean, even within my lifetime, I don't think it's too well, much of a stretch. Well, it has. Yeah. I mean, that is, I think that's, that's sadly, I think that's the case. I mean, the population declines have been, you know, significant. They've been, um, it's all been well-documented and the, 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 with the 30, 40, 50%, whatever. I mean, but, but what really rams it home is that it's not those sort of percentages. It's when you're on a river or you're, you know, as you might be in your professional capacity or fishing or me yeah likewise just the fact that you you know there's so few of these things about well i went so to about yeah no there is definitely i i went to um alaska last year i think i, I told you about this before but and there was you know thousands and thousands of, of pacific salmon yes and i just thought surely somewhere down the line we must have had that in the i don't know if it's been um, presumably there's literature out there i've not really looked into it but there must have been like that or something similar in the uk because if you think about it if i if i'm on a river now filming salmon and i see half a dozen that's a good day i'm like bloody hell six six salmon that's that's amazing when you think about it that's it's worrying really isn't it it's not a good thing it is uh, no it is absolutely worrying i mean it's you know it's well documented um uh which is well documented that um, in London the uh, apprentices in sort of late medi in medieval times um, often rioted because they didn't want to be fed any more salmon because wow. salmon was quite plentiful. Uh, I actually think, and I most interestingly read that actually it wasn't the fresh salmon going upstream that they were being fed. It was the, it was the dead Celts that um, oh, right. um, <laughs> their, mean, their mean employers were, uh, were feeding them on. So I could partly understand their. Um, you can certainly understand their uh, objection to that, if that was the case. Yeah. But the real point is that, you know, I was talking to someone, again, someone else a, a day or two, a, a senior conservation scientist, and I said, well, of course, the biggest chalk stream in England is is um, is the Thames, and, or would be, and it and all of its tributaries would have been stuffed with, with, um, with salmon. Yeah. So all of those, you know, those rivers that, the chess, the the, the the those rivers that that, that come off the the, the 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 North Downs, chalks you know, which are coming out of the chalk. All of those would have had salmon in them. The Thames itself would have had salmon in it. The Kennet, you know, they would have all been, and all you know, the Cotswold streams, um, would have seen salmon in them. And they're pretty uh, much non-existent. I don't, yeah, when I think of the Thames, the salmon are the last. Last fish yeah. I think of. It's pretty much non-existent. Yeah. And the other side of it is that um, you 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 know you look at other rivers, the chalk streams, um, salmon had thriving salmon populations. They're now tragically depleted. I mean, on the you know, I, and I think it's the case that even those rivers that are doing in inverted commas relatively well, maybe the Tyne and others, many of those rivers are struggling to actually get above what 
um, the uh, fish scientists call their sort of um, conservation limits, i.e. The, the level of population which provides for a, a semi well, they would say a sustainable population, but I mean, for me, and a sustainable population is one that has a sufficient abundance to enable us to occasionally take one of these fish. I mean, that yeah. would be, you know, to be able to do that would be would be fantastic. And of course, that I don't know a river in 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 the UK where that 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 is something that I, that I would feel comfortable doing now, which is no. No, is no. a really sad kind of sad state sad state of affairs. Because I, I remember. I think it was maybe was it last year or the year before that the river seven um the environment agency published a report of their rough numbers of salmon they've got they've been able to monitor them through fish catches and yeah. um counters and whatnot and it was something like two thousand fish which again like in layman's terms sounds like a lot but if you think about the river seven it's the longest or well, largest river in the uk spread out two thousand salmon among that it's nothing i mean if the biggest river's only got that amount of salmon, roughly, it's. Um, I think, in fact, they actually banned salmon fishing a year or two ago. I think. Yes. Well, they, well, they, yeah. they did. They did do that, did they? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think. Well, they, I'm not sure whether they they did, but they certainly recommend. I think there are times when when when, when recommendations have gone out. To, right. Okay. Yeah. I might be getting that wrong. There was something where they may, maybe suggested people don't fish or something like that. But um, yeah, the numbers were getting critical on there. Yes. Which Definitely. is. Um, and and that's you know you look at um, the rivers in Scotland, the rivers in uh, in Wales. Wales are in a particularly parlous state um, as well. It is it is tough. I mean, it is really tough. So people that, go on. Sorry, Nick. So so people yeah. will naturally then say, what what can we do? Obviously, we've talked about all these problems and, yeah. the, and the doom and gloom of, of 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 salmon. What what can we do? What what is the solution? Well, I mean, as, as I said, the, what are the solutions? The, there are problems, or seem uh, perceived to be problems, at sea and on the high seas. Yeah. What we've done there, and it's been done for years, has been a moratorium on um, net, exporting salmon stocks, so they're not netted any. There's no commercial netting taking in place any longer, and that hasn't been that, that that's been the case for twenty, thirty years more, more. Um, I think called the North Atlantic Salmon Conservation Organization, which is a sort of treaty organization, a bit like NATO. All of the countries that have salmon in their rivers around the North Atlantic came together and decided not to fish at sea. However, the, the problem now is oh, that, if you like, that 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 stopped. Um, what hasn't stopped, of course, are all the problems in all of the countries themselves. And there you have the complex problems like we have in in the UK of you know the various interest groups that want want to keep barriers, the various interest groups that um, want to you know water companies and farmers that want to take water out of rivers, pollute rivers, and so on. And again, fish farming a problem you know on the, in Canada the the um, eastern seaboard of Canada, Atlantic seaboard of Canada, um, a huge problem in. Scotland and actually paradoxically people say that oh well the, the east coast Scottish rivers have also declined and they don't have salmon farms on them no they don't but what they do have is that they're spolts and no it's interesting that not a lot of work to be done on this as far as I'm aware their spolts have to truck past the Orkneys and Shetland Islands which are festooned with salmon farms which also have the worst sea lice performance so that's an impact so these are 
so what we can do i'm saying is that we we need to we need to focus pretty ruthlessly on the causes of of, of um, the problems in those areas where we can do something about it and there's no doubt that where salmon farming exists it is the number one problem for um for wild wild salmon and that other wonderful fish that doesn't get as much airtime as it deserves sea trout yeah and then turning to the inland story barriers are denying fish access to spawning habitats that habitat is being compromised by abstraction and by pollution so all of these things are things we can we can we can we can if we will if we want address but again it's getting that the challenge really is getting the political will and also the public a sense of public I don't know, urgency or public awareness of the problem and support of doing something for for fish because you know i think if the you know it was um we were dealing with uh, a furry animal then it would be a lot easier <laughs> here we have this absolutely amazing uh, fish the atlantic salmon with its you know truly awe-inspiring um life cycle you know it 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 it, it it, it travels three thousand miles to the um, to Greenland or to the edge of the polar ice cap um, north of the Faroe Islands to to feed and and grow before coming back to spawn again. It is truly remarkable, and um, I don't know anybody who has when they've looked into this and start to understand what this this this, this, this fish achieves um, isn't. Isn't 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 really impressed by by it and 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 it, but it's getting that that awareness out there which is just so 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 tough. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Whenever I've talked to anyone about uh, what can you do, it ultimately always goes back to public perception and political will. I think yeah. like there's all there's little little things you can do, but ultimately, the more people that are talking about it, the better. And essentially, if you want something done, it, it comes down to, to politics, doesn't yeah. it? So and I, I would say, you know, I mean, I I don't go in for special pleading, but yeah, you you know, so the more the people support organisations like our own that are focused on not, um, you know, dealing with these fundamental causes and trying to drive some 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 big change. Of course, I want, to, I want people to support 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 wild fish. And I think it's probably one of the best best organisations they can support if they want to bring our real change to our um, watery environment and um, and all of the fish and other aquatic creatures that, that, that thrive in it. But just get involved, even you know, if you don't, you know, whether you fish or not, just. Just get involved. Put your wellies on and go down to your local stream or river and join the local rivers trust or wildlife trust, whatever floats your boat. But um, we, we've got to do more of this because we otherwise we are going to lose. I think I, it is. The I message is getting right. across a little bit, isn't it? Because um, yeah. I think certainly the next general election, um, I suppose sewage is mainly propping it up mostly, but but rivers in general. It's going to be a it's going to be a big political point. A lot of people, and I, I I do hope that the politicians are taking notice of it because I think that 
it will be a factor. Certainly, I, mean, I might be kind of over-dramatising it, but um, I think a lot of people will uh, are fed up of how our rivers are and, and that will factor into how people ultimately vote when we get to the next election. Yep. Well, that's what I hope. I hope I hope that all of the political parties pick up on it. They should. And they really need to reflect the fact that, we, you know, we get all this talk about, and it's understandable, growth. We want growth because growth makes it easier to correct some of the cost of living problems or the poverty problems that um, we, we suffer in our, in our society without necessarily having to put taxes up too much. But the problem with all of that debate is it shies away from the fact that what is what is growth and prosperity without a healthy environment in which to enjoy those, the, the, the benefits of growth? And we've lost sight of that in this country but very badly. And I think, you know, um, I think, yeah, no, you know, I think I think you're right, Nick. I think it, you know, it is so it, it, and I agree all these things are difficult, but we need to balance these things up. And, you know, we are by many accounts, you know, one of the worst performing countries, not only in Europe, in the world, in terms of our loss of biodiversity. Yeah. Ter terrestrially and and it's even worse with regard to to the, to the aquatic environment. Or, yeah. or, or the, the word I learned the other day, the hydrosphere. So ah. we um yeah, I think you'd like that one. Yeah, I do like that one. We, we really that do one. <laughs> need we do need we need politicians with the courage to address some of these things, which you know, sadly, has been lacking for for far too long, and um, I hope, with the efforts of people like Fergal Fergal Sharkey um, and others, that it has you know sewage becomes a sort of a, a to totemic, but it we don't lose sight of all the other problems as well. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Nick. I think you're right. If okay. um if we've inspired some people to find out more about Wildfish, what what's the best place to go? Your website, presumably. Well, I think get yeah, wildfish.org. Go on to that, um, and hopefully that will lead you into a, the world of, of of what we're doing. And we'd love to hear from hear from you, um, good or bad. We we welcome criticism as well as um, as support. And as I said, the, the the real issue is just just get involved. I'd love you to get involved with what we're trying to do. I'd love your input, feedback, whatever. We've got to do you know do everything we can and break down all of the sort of barriers to 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 doing stuff. Not only dynamiting a weir. Now, wouldn't that be wonderful as a auction <laughs> auction off auction off auction off a prize in our auction or something like that um but, i'd bid i'd bid on that that'd be brilliant just getting just i don't know how you find it when you're talking to the various organizations you talk talk to um how people react but i have got a sense that people are beginning to wake up to the I, I think they are I, and, and just and even people um who aren't in our little fishy bubble so i'll just talk to yeah. friends and family who aren't particularly interested in rivers and fish and they'll go oh yeah aren't aren't rivers full of turds now and i go well yeah more or less you know that there's a bit more to it than that but essentially you've got it on you've hit the nail on the head so yeah. i think it is getting through the public zeitgeist and people are yeah. um 
are picking up on it. But look, it's it's a pleasure as always to to talk to you, Nick, and and I don't need much of an excuse to to waffle to no, you about well, it's fish. Been fantastic. Thank you for for allowing me to talk on all of these sorts of issues about which I'm absolutely passionate. And if it's engendered a little bit of interest on, 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 in, in, in even one of your readers, it'll be listeners, sorry, <laughs> um, it'll be worth it. Exactly. No, look, we'll take care, buddy. Cheers. And you too. Okay. Bye. That was Nick Meesham. I'm very proud to work with them. I'm a, I'm a vice president for Wild Fish, so they're an amazing organisation. And I think if you can help them in any way, shape or form, you should. They they fund a lot of fantastic research and work into trying to solve the actual problems that are plaguing our rivers and our freshwater wildlife. If you can, do please give our socials a follow. I'm on uh, Twitter as at FishTwitcher. I'm on YouTube at Chasing Scales. You can see some of my content on there and Twitter and all that other stuff. You know, if you search Jack Perks, I'll probably pop up. I forget all the handles now, but if you if you want me, I'm, I'm on there somewhere. You'll, you'll probably find me. Now, next week, I'm talking to Neil Phillips, who's been on the podcast before. He is a nature photographer, and we're talking about wildlife photography competitions, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, why uh, they're maybe not quite as good as you might think, and some of our past experiences with them. So it should be an interesting one. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Jack Perks, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers.